Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. It's never been easier to communicate with people, but it's never been harder to know which platform you're supposed to communicate on. Here's a simpler solution. With call, meet, and message all in one app, Ring Central makes communication easy. With all that connectivity in the palm of your hand, you can work from anywhere with anyone at any time and never miss a beat. Because when it comes to communication, simple is better. Learn more at ringcentral.com. Ring Central, simpler communications. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. This is the MD's Fantasy Football Show with Dan Mader. Giving you the X's and O's of all things fantasy. On the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. And welcome back, MD Nation, to the show. As always, I'm your host, Dan Mater. You are listening to the MD's Fantasy Football Show on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network for your Android app or, of course, on WWSRN on iOS. Presented to you by Belly Up Sports. And we got a lot to talk about in today's show. We got the Thursday Night Football Recap. We have the late window of previews that we have to get through for Week 7. We have some injury news to keep you updated on. And, of course, at the, end of you, at the end of the show, like we always do on Thursdays and Fridays, we have a mailbag segment for you guys at the end from the fans. Remember, if you ever want to have your fantasy questions answered or just comments or rants heard about or talked about on the show, all you have to do is hit us up on social media at BellyUpMDFFShow. And you can also... Follow us along on Twitter. Make sure those player news update notifications are coming in fast and furious all season long. We have you guys up to date constantly as we head into your matchups, giving you guys the edge in order to win your game. So we had a big game last night. Giants-Eagles wound up being an entertaining game, especially towards the end. Wound up being a 22-21 victory for the Philadelphia Eagles, and we're going to get into all the minutia about that. But what I like to kick off the show, especially on Friday, with is the injury updates from the games that we talked about uh, in yesterday's episode. Remember, if you want to go back and listen to yesterday's episode, because we talked about a lot of the early window of games heading into Sunday as well, you can always check it out on your favorite streaming app or go to Worldwide Sports Radio Network on Android or WWSRN on iOS. We're pretty much available to you guys. iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, it doesn't really matter. You can find the belly ups. MD's fantasy football show available to you to check out any other episodes that you want to have. So some of the injury updates that we want to go over from yesterday, we have we have some big names that we got to talk about before we go ahead and get into the rest of today's show. And leading off the list is Michael Thomas. Apparently tweaked his hamstring on Wednesday. We were trying to find out the details exactly what was going on. Why did he get added another injury on top of his ankle injury? Him being limited at practice wasn't really all that surprising. And then we go and find out that this guy actually wound up tweaking his hamstring at the end of Wednesday's practice. That's why he was limited. Did not practice yesterday. Looks like there's a decent chance that he might not practice again today. If that winds up being the case, Michael Thomas is actually looking like he's trending in the wrong direction for being able to suit up on Sunday. Now, I talked about if he were not able to suit up on Sunday. I talked about this yesterday. 
don't go ahead and trade him. You have waited too long to be able to use Michael Thomas to this point to suddenly back out and have to trade him away because you're not going to get fair value for him. Anybody who's looking to buy on Michael Thomas is going to be looking to buy low. Now, on the flip side of that, if you are trying to get Michael Thomas, yes, you can try to buy low because there are going to be some Michael Thomas owners out there who are going to be so frustrated by this news, so frustrated by the wait that they've had to do for what had to be their first round pick this year, that they might just go ahead and trade him away because they're sitting there at one and five, two and four. They're feeling desperate. They thought that maybe that Michael Thomas's return would help them turn their season around, especially since he doesn't have any more bye weeks after this because the Saints already had their bye week last week. And now all of a sudden they're going to have to deal with Michael Thomas missing again this week. And because it's a hamstring injury, who knows what it means for next week? It's something you're going to have to watch for next week as well. So you might catch an owner who's just completely frustrated by this news, and you might be able to get him on a, on a bargain deal. It's, it's quite possible. But hopefully, if you're a part of MD Nation, you have Michael Thomas. Stay strong with him. You've waited too long. He, I do expect him to be back either next week or the week after if you're still in competition for the playoff spot, of course. The other news that we have for you guys, the other one, the other big name is Joe Mixon. He didn't practice last two days. We did talk about that yesterday, but he did not. he's not going to practice today. That's the report on today's show. He's not going to practice today, which means he's not going to get any practice in this week. Now, Zach Taylor came out and said today that he does consider him to be day-to-day, and Joe Mixon is not the type of player who has to practice in order to play on Sunday. Uh, he very much could gut it out, and they could still give him. And if he guts it out, he's the type of player who, even when he's hurt, he still guts it out and plays uh, and gets his full bell cow of snaps, normally speaking. So this is not something where if he does play that you're going to be like, oh, well, is he going to be on a snap count now? Is he going to be limited now? Uh, is Gene Bernard going to be worked in now? Bernard might be worked in a little bit more than he normally would, but Mixon will get his bell cow if he's out there on Sunday. So if he's playing... You play him as a low-end RB1, high-end RB2. If he cannot go, then obviously Genevieve Bernard steps into automatically being a high-end RB2 heading into this game because we have seen him in this role in the past before be able to produce, especially when it comes to the pass uh, catching game because that I mean, that's the best part of his game to begin with. But when you add in him getting 16 to 20 carries, which has happened before when he's had to come in and cover Joe Mixon for a week, then he winds up putting up pretty decent numbers. I don't expect that to be any different going into this week. I expect him to be able to do something similar. So he would be a high-end RB2 for me if Joe Mixon cannot go and Gina Bernard uh, comes into play. Now, I don't have a great feeling about this either way. I don't have a great feeling that he is going to play. I don't have a feeling necessarily that he's not going to play because to this point, we still have not had a real explanation as to exactly what the nature of this injury is. We haven't. We haven't seen it yet. They haven't given us details on exactly... All we know is it's the foot. That's it. We don't know if it's a sprain. We don't know if it's, you know, if it's a sprain, if it's a strain, if it's, if it's, you know, whatever. We have no clue exactly what the foot injury is because for some reason, and I don't know how they're getting away with this, but the Cincinnati Bengals are pulling a New England Patriot where they're just giving you absolutely no details. Uh, which is very strange because we haven't had anything like this so far this year. It's something that very rarely happens in the past, but the Bengals are not known for being so secretive, uh, which as a Joe Mixon owner doesn't make me feel good, that's for sure. Oh, and we just got well, we got to hit the breaking news sounder. It literally just happened now. Breaking news. Breaking news. 
It's funny, it was just happening as we were talking about this. Joe Mixon ruled out against the Cleveland Browns. So throw, take everything I just said, throw it away. Genemiah Bernard, fire him up as a high-end RB2 this week against the Cleveland Browns. He will get a full workload. Expect Travion Williams to be uh, somewhat involved as well. But this is, this is going to be annoying because now they have ruled him out. They don't really have to give us too many details. We still don't know what this foot injury is. But now they, they being that they just ruled him out on a Friday... This is something that could linger on now for the next few weeks. Uh, so something that kind of we have to keep our eyes on here. Genevieve Bernard comes in. Now, here's what I will say. The Bengals have a bye in week nine. So Zach Taylor tried to say he was day-to-day, but clearly the Bengals have been not upfront about this injury this entire time. So assuming that really it's true that he is day-to-day, I wouldn't say that there's no chance that he can't play next week in week eight. But I will say that he, being that he got ruled out on a Friday this week, his Week 8 status will be very much in question as well. So we're going to have to watch that. Hopefully you have Genevieve Bernard if you're a Joe Mixon owner. If you are not, run, run, run. You have a high-end RB2 in your hands for the next two weeks. Because if he is hindered, they could look to say, you know what, we're going to let you sit Week 8 too. And then we're going to go ahead, turn around, bring in Genevieve Bernard and let him play out until the bye, because they have the bye in Week 9, have Joe Mixon come back fully healthy in Week 10. That's going to be a variable heading into next week, but we're going to have to wait and see exactly what happens next week in that practice report and where Joe Mixon is at. But that news just came through our desk now. All right, so now that we can move on from that, I'm glad we got that out of the way. I'm glad. I'm actually glad that broke while we were talking about it. A.J. Brown's the other guy that we got to talk about a little bit. Uh, another guy that we don't have a ton of details on other than he didn't practice yesterday after being a full participant in practice on Wednesday, so you never like to downgrade later on in the week. And then on top of it, they really haven't given us many details for that injury as well. We know that he was dealing with a knee injury earlier on in the season. We know that much, um, and that's what he's listed with here. So we're waiting to see exactly what his participation in practice is going to be today. Uh, hopefully we'll find that out. Maybe we'll find that on the show like we did just did about Joe Mixon. Uh Right now, the feeling is that A.J. Brown is more expected to be able to go. The Titans do this sometimes. There's a handful of teams that, instead of resting their players on a Wednesday, they'll sometimes rest their players on a Thursday after they get a practice on Wednesday and then have them practice again on Friday. Titans are one of those teams that have been known to do that in the past. So I wouldn't be surprised if that was the situation here. But obviously, definitely is something that we're going to have to watch uh, moving forward, especially today. So make sure you're following us on Twitter at BellyUpMDFFShow so we can keep you up to date on the A.J. Brown news because that's something we're going to have to keep our eyes on, make sure we have him back because he's been great since he's been back and you're going to definitely want to be able to play A.J. Brown. So something we're going to have to watch moving forward. i got to hit the breaking news sounder actually one more time. Breaking news. Coming in fast and furious today. Deshaun Jackson had his MRI this morning and has confirmed that the ankle injury will knock him out indefinitely. Jackson getting placed on the injured reserve does have a chance to return. We don't know exactly, but they were talking about the possibility of surgery. They were talking about the possibility of you know him missing the rest of the season due to this. So I wouldn't be surprised if that was the last that we just saw of Deshaun Jackson last night, who actually looked pretty good until that punt return, until he got knocked on. It was and it was a cheap shot too. That's that I think that's what's gonna leave us a, a sour taste in everybody's mouth is the fact that it was a cheap shot on Deshaun Jackson and why he got picked up the injury, which is really a shame. But it looks like Deshaun Jackson might be out for the rest of the season, possibly, or at the very least a really long time. 
kind of interesting because they were talking about, you know, they want to trade Alshon Jeffrey. Uh, they were talking about trading Zach Ertz before he got injured. That part doesn't really surprise me because it kind of looked like you're ready to move on from him anyway. You weren't going to pay him any more money. You have Dallas Goddard on his way back. Supposed to be coming back in week 10 from all from all the reports are right now. I do wonder if this will change their tune on whether or not they want to trade Alshon Jeffrey because after their win yesterday, they're in position to run to go for the division. That's all it took. Two two wins. You have Dallas is playing Washington on Sunday. This is a team who, even though it's been horrible, and it didn't even look good last night, and we're going to talk about the game pretty soon, they they are in position to try to make a run. They are in position to try to get into the playoffs. So I could see them maybe deciding that they are not going to trade Alshon Jeffrey after all. We'll have to keep our eyes on that. He's somebody that I've been talking about in the waiver wire report just because he's somebody that if you can pick him up, you have an IR spot, you should be able to stash him and just see what he becomes. Uh, because we do know that he, if he gets on the field, if he stays with the Philadelphia Eagles at the very least, he winds up being Carson Wentz's number one red zone target when he plays. So something to keep your eye on. I will say, though, that this, because Deshaun Jackson is going to be out now for a length of time, this does boost uh, Travis Fulgham's value, his rest of season value from here on out, because he's going to have to be a staple of the other perimeter starting wide receiver even when Alshon comes back, and probably even when Jalen Rager comes back to some degree too. That's another guy, if you can pick him up, if he's been available on your waiver wire because people dropped him because he was out so long, now would be the time to go ahead and pick him up because a week 8, week 9, week 10 return is expected for Jalen Rager coming up in the next few weeks. So if he's out there in your waiver wire report, now that Deshaun Jackson's done for the year, they're going to lean on him to be their big play threat wide receiver when he comes back. So that could be worth a stash as well as that news just came through. There were two more things that I wanted to mention in the injury news segment before we dive into the game here. I, I, I know we're taking a while here, but all this breaking news coming through to start off the show, it's absolutely great. Jameson Crowder, he did not practice yesterday. The report is he's expected to practice today at a limited capacity. He's dealing with a groin issue. This is kind of somewhat big news because he has a decent match against Buffalo because they're not great against slot wide receivers so far this season. He's a guy that we have as a low-end wide receiver, too. He has a big floor because he's seeing double-digit targets in every single game that he's been able to play through. I don't expect that to be much different here. Uh, however, what I will say is that I don't like the fact that a guy who needs to be able to be quick, who needs to be able to get separation underneath, is going to sit there and have a groin issue. He was able to practice limited capacity on Wednesday, I believe. If he does practice today, I do think this is somebody that you can go ahead and play in that low-end wide receiver two, high-end wide receiver three role, just because the volume is going to continue to be there. And it also looks as though, they said barring a setback, Sam Darnold should be available for this matchup as well. So if that's going to be the case, I do like Sam Darnold more than Joe Flacco. We know Sam Darnold targets James Crowder anyway, but he does a better job hitting him in stride opening James Crowder up to be able to do a little something after the catch. He's not a big after-the-catch receiver. It never was, but a little something to do after the catch and his target in the red zone a little bit more when Sam Darnold's in the ball game. So as long as he plays, you can still play him as that low-end wide receiver two, high-end wide receiver three just due to volume. But it does bother me a little bit if you have other options to be able to choose from. And now the uh, last part is Jordan Atkins, the tight end for the Houston Texans. He practiced in a limited capacity yesterday. He was able to get out there. We expect him to be able to play. I talked about this in yesterday's show. Whether it's Atkins or if he's out and winds up being Darren Fells, a Houston Texan tight end is definitely a streaming option this week against the Green Bay Packers. If it is Jordan Atkins playing, we do have him ranked 
at tight end 13. So one of the higher end tight end streaming options, high end tight end two for us uh, heading into the week. That finally wraps up the injury segment, get you guys updated from the games that we talked about uh, yesterday. Make sure you go back on your favorite streaming app, iHeart, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, iTunes, wherever. Look for the Belly Up Sports' MD's Fantasy Football Show or check it out on WWSRN on their app on Android or on iOS. But let's dive in to this Thursday night game. This 22 to 21 slugfest. I mean it was it was it was ugly in the first half. You know, I picked up a little bit in the second half, got a little bit more exciting. Of course, probably one of the memes of the year will be, you know, Daniel Jones breaking free. Winds up picking up an 80-yard run. <laughs> it should have been a 95-yard run and a touchdown. Absolutely insane. You just hear the announcers, he's going, going, he's going to be gone. Oh, he trips. Daniel Jones tripped over nothing. I don't even know if he tripped. It looked more like he just ran out of oxygen and his legs just gave out. Because it didn't. It, well, he didn't trip over his own two feet. He didn't really trip on the field. It wasn't like he like misstepped and tripped on the field. It looked like his legs just flat out just gave out underneath of him. And that, and that was it. He just ran out of air, ran out of energy, and just completely fell to the ground. Absolutely embarrassing. The Giants did, however, go on to get that touchdown, so it didn't wind up costing him a touchdown. But a team that's been so bad in the red zone, that could have been a catastrophe. It really could have been a catastrophe. Because if they don't score there, all of a sudden you're looking at Daniel Jones like, why did you fall for no absolute reason? Oh, that was just hilarious. As far as his fantasy value goes, it's just it's tied to his legs, right? 92 yards rushing. He's been a guy who's been running all around. You can't trust Daniel Jones. It just can't. Even in the NFC matchups where he's had, he's had, he should have better matchups. He should be able to do something. This guy's been struggling to even throw the ball for 200 yards in any given week. He didn't do it this week either. It's really killing a lot of the fantasy value around for the New York Giants at the moment. Look. Devontae Freeman, I don't even know when he left this game. The report is he left this game in the third quarter. I was watching this game, and I couldn't even tell you because I never saw him on the field to begin with. Never. Not at any point. So he had three carries for eight yards. It looked like Wayne Gallman had taken over that job even before Freeman got hurt. Now he has an ankle issue. We don't know how long that's going to be. Now, Wayne Gallman had a nice game. He had 10 carries, 34 yards. Not very efficient, but you don't expect to be very efficient with that offensive line against the Philadelphia Eagles who have a healthy Fletcher Cox. He does get the touchdown. He was involved in the pass game. That was the big key. Five catches, 20 yards. Here's the thing. Before we get overly excited about Wayne Gallman, will he be worth a pickup if if Devontae Freeman is to miss time? Yeah, sure. He'll be on the waiver wire report 100% if that's going to be the case, and we'll probably find out more come you know Monday or Tuesday. We've seen Wayne Gallman flash where he's able to get a ton of volume, put up some statistics for you. But even in that situation, we've also seen him bottom out. We've also seen him be fantasy irrelevant even when given the opportunity. We've seen this out of Wayne Gallman already before. So I'm just saying that to you. He's going to be a running back who's worth something if Devontae Freeman is out for sure because you need a running back who gets touches at this point because it's, it's pretty much decimated out there once you get outside the top 16, 18 running backs right now. But I'm just going to warn everybody now, don't go crazy trying to get Wayne Gallman. We've seen this average running back kind of flash out on people before. That, that's all I'm going to say for now. We'll talk about more of this on, on Tuesday when we have the Waiver Wire Report podcast episode that comes out, show episode that comes out for you guys, because that one's not, not live. We pre-record that one. 
Uh, that'll be out for you guys. So make sure you go ahead, check us out, and follow us along at BellyUpMDFF Show to know when that gets released. We'll talk about it more then, but just don't go crazy trying to get Wayne Gallman, who's been down in the dumps before. Now, as far as the receivers go, Sterling Shepard, six catches, 59 yards, a touchdown, had eight targets in this game. It was nice to see him back. And it also showed you that once he was back, Golden Tate, he's not a thing. If Darius Slayton and Sterling Shepard are back, Golden Tate is the odd man out. He did come away with the 39-yard touchdown, but that was it. He had two targets in this game. That was all. So on the stat line, he makes an impact, but Golden Tate is the odd man out with Sterling Shepard and Darius Slayton. Now, I talked about this heading into yesterday's show. Darius Slayton was somebody who was a wide receiver three for us, but I did caution that there was going to be a low floor attached to him because Darius Slay was going to be following him around. That's exactly what happened. He didn't have a great game. Two catches, 23 yards on four targets. It was kind of what we feared. Better days are ahead before we start going like, oh, well, now Sterling Shepard definitely the number one target for the New York Giants. No. Uh, there's gonna It's going to be a pretty even split, I believe, you're going to see in target share between Shepard and Darius Slayton. The difference is going to be Darius Slayton is going to be the guy who has the big play capabilities. But it's going to be matchup dependent. Look, the Giants have to play teams that don't have good secondaries. Now, they'll do that when they play Washington again. They'll do that when they play Dallas. But when they play the Philadelphia Eagles, Darius Slay is going to be matched up on Darius Slayton. This is what's going to happen. When they play teams that have a top corner, they're going to be matched up on Darius Slayton, which is going to open up the door in those matchups, if Sterling Shepard can stay healthy, to be a solid low-end wide receiver three, high-end wide receiver four option in half-point and full-point PPR leagues because you'll have those mismatches. That's just kind of how it's going to break down moving forward. Evan Ingram was the number one target on the game, had nine targets, six catches, 46 yards, just continues to not get in the end zone, had a bad drop, would have had a much better stat line had he been able to hold on to that ball because it would have been a big game. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. It's never been easier to communicate with people, but it's never been harder to know which platform you're supposed to communicate on. Here's a simpler solution. With call, meet, and message all in one app, Ring Central makes communication easy. With all that connectivity in the palm of your hand, you can work from anywhere with anyone at any time and never miss a beat. Because when it comes to communication, simple is better. Learn more at ringcentral.com. Ring Central, simpler communications. He just completely alligator-armed it. Evan Ingram continues to be somebody who has to be in that mid-range tight end, too, because he's just not producing. Daniel Jones is not producing. The Giants' offense is just not producing. And because of his name and because he is healthy, I understand you're probably in a situation where you don't want to drop him. It's not like there's a lot of tight ends out there who have a a lot of you know sex appeal to their name right now at, at, at the position. But like I said last night, I'd rather have Richard Rodgers. I'd rather have other guys. He is a streaming tight end. He's in that category, that territory of players. He's not somebody that you can go ahead and just plug and play and feel confident in moving forward. He's not an automatic tight end one. He gets the volume here 
which is why he's probably a higher-end guy on that streaming territory because he is somebody who's getting the volume, but he's just failing to get in the end zone, and Daniel Jones is doing this offense absolutely no favors. We flip over the Philadelphia Eagles side of the ball, and what we get out of them is a lot of mixed bag, which has pretty much been their season to begin with. Carson Wentz, he had a really bad pick, okay? And then there was another throw he threw across his body where I understand that he that ball could have been intercepted as well, although I will say that his player, Travis Fulgham, should have, had it, should have caught it and had the better look at it, but not something you typically want to do. And the interception that he did throw was a bad interception because they were getting close to the red zone. There was really no reason for him to try to take the chance. Other than this guy is just playing frustrated. He is. He's playing frustrated. He has none of his weapons around him. He has none of his offensive linemen around him. He's getting absolutely no protection. And just like the end of last year where he pretty much had to willpower this team into the playoffs, he's having to willpower them each and every single week. I give Carson Wentz a lot of credit. 359 passing yards, two touchdowns. He continues to use his legs in order to try to make plays. Didn't have a lot of yards yesterday, 14 yards, but does get you a rushing touchdown. Carson Wentz is a top 10 quarterback right now for fantasy football purposes. Look at the scoreboard. Look at the scoring leaders. He was top 10 coming into this game. That continues to be the case. It's not pretty. You're not going to like what you see when you're watching him play on Sunday. But if you close your eyes and just look at the box score when the, when the game sounds off and the fourth quarter ends, you're going to be pretty happy with the fantasy points that you're getting out of Carson Wentz. This is somebody who's not less than 50% owned on the waiver wire, so he doesn't make the waiver wire report as a result to that, but he's somebody who's hovering around that 50% mark. He's somebody that you can you could probably pick up in quite a few leagues out there because a lot of people dropped out on him when he was having a bad start to the season. Is he going to have Deshaun Jackson again at any point? No, but he is getting Jalen Rager back soon. Dallas Goddard will be back week 10. Maybe Alshon's back next week. Sanders has a very good chance to be back next week. The other question we're going to have, though, is Lane Johnson, because he's going to get an MRI on his knee today, too. I haven't had any uh, news alerts about that just yet, uh, but that's going to that's gonna be a problem. However, he's been running for his life all week long anyway, so it doesn't really matter. Carson Wentz is somebody you can plug and play. Like I said, don't just don't watch the game. Do yourself a favor. Put him in your quarterback position. Don't watch the game. Just look at the box score later, and you're going to be okay. It's still going to be a little bit matchup dependent for me. When they play a tough team, especially a team that has a really good front seven, I don't know how much I'm going to want to take the chance there just because of the offensive line issues. But otherwise, yeah, Carson Wentz is a top 10 guy. He just, he just, he's just finding a way to put up statistics. So Miles Sanders was out. Boston Scott came in, had 12 carries, 46 yards. Was, eh, he was okay. He was really looking like he was about to get bottled up until all of a sudden he catches the game-winning touchdown on a nice little wheel route, winds up giving you the really solid fantasy day that you were looking for with him replacing Miles Sanders. Something not sim- not completely similar to, but close to what he was able to do last year in, in uh, spelling Miles Sanders when he got injured a year ago. So came in, he gave you a nice game, he gave you what you needed. You know, 92 total yards, had three receptions, gets you the touchdown. You're going to take that from Boston Scott all day, every day. You're going to hold on to him because Miles Sanders, his timeline was one to two weeks, so there's a possibility he can miss week eight. Uh, But there's a good chance that this was probably a one-and-done for Boston Scott for right now because Miles Sanders should be on his way uh, back in this one. So let's talk about the wide receivers because that's that's where the rest of the season value is going to be from. Let's talk about Richard Rodgers. So I mentioned a couple times already in the show, Dallas Goddard is not expected to be back until week 10. Now, that's a good thing for the Eagles. It's a good thing overall because it could have been longer. But he's expect, not expected back to week 10. 
So you have a few weeks now where Richard Rodgers is going to be the number one tight end. He came in. I told you guys he was a top 10 play for me. And six catches, 85 yards, eight targets. That's a good show. I was a little frustrated that he got tackled on the one-yard line because I pretty much was solidified that he would have been a top 10 tight end on the week. And that would make me happy and make me look really good. Uh, but he still has a nice game here. Like I said, six catches, 85 yards, eight targets. That level of involvement, especially now with Deshaun Jackson out, in this offense that leans on the tight end to be able to utilize them, he's going to be somebody that they use on a consistent basis. He is somebody that you can plug and play at the tight end position who should be a guy that winds up getting about six to eight targets. Without a, without a doubt, six to eight targets. So that's why I'm not really too concerned when it comes to uh, Richard Rodgers being able to plug and play him. So if you picked him up before the game, if you took my advice, keep him until Dallas Goddard comes back because you've been streaming tight end anyway. If you have a chance to pick up Dallas Goddard, which I think some people do, pick him up. So that way you have an Eagles tight end who's not named Zach Ertz. Even when Zach Ertz comes back, I don't know what the push is going to be to play him. First of all, he's going to come back. It's going to be after the trade deadline, so he is still going to be on the roster. But he looks so bad. And it's so clear that the Philadelphia Eagles, is, they plan on moving on from him after next year. Without, without a doubt. There's, there's no question about that. They plan on moving on from him next year. I don't know how much playing time he's going to get. I feel very confident that Dallas Goddard will be the starting tight end for the rest of the season when he comes back in Week 10 with or without Zach Ertz in the lineup. So if you have a chance to get Goddard, now's the time to go get him, stash him, put him on your IR. You're going to have a top 10 tight end for the rest of the season, especially for your playoff run. Travis Fulgham, we talked about him a little bit, has a decent game here, five catches, 73 yards, got targeted a lot in the red zone, wasn't able to convert, but you always like to be able to see that, especially a guy you picked up off the waiver wire. He's going to have more value now uh, than I was initially anticipating because of the Sean Jackson news that we just had today being out indefinitely. Had 11 targets in this game. Jalen Rager may be back in the next couple of weeks. Alshon may be back next week. But Travis Fulgham has carved out a role where he's going to be a perimeter starting wide receiver, even when Jalen Rager comes back. The two starting wide receivers are going to be Fulgham. They're going to be Greg Ward. I think the mixture is going to be they're going to rotate Jalen Rager in and out when they're looking for a big play, and we'll see what Alshon Jeffrey has coming off the foot, coming off the Liz Franck injury. So Travis Fulgham is somebody who's going to be a, a low-end wide receiver three who has upside because of his volume, because of his situation, because of his red zone abilities from there. So he's somebody you're going to be able to probably play on a consistent week basis. You look at this Philadelphia Eagles team, you look how much they have to grind to win these games, even against bad teams like the New York Giants. They're going to be in a lot of situations where they're going to have to come back from the high. There are going to be a lot of situations where Carson Wentz has to continue to throw the ball plus 40 times. The volume is going to be there. So his value actually, even though he didn't have a great game, he had a decent game, went up for me quite a bit after watching last night's game, the circumstances coming out of that game. That pretty much wraps up what we need to talk about in that game. We can now move on to our late window of matchups heading into Week 7. The first game that we want to talk about to you guys here is the Seattle Seahawks and the Arizona Cardinals. Big fantasy implications here, right? Big fantasy implications here across the board. You have Russell Wilson, who's our number two quarterback. You have Kyler Murray, who's our number one quarterback on the week. You have Chris Carson, our number three running back on the week. Kenyon Drake, top 15. And you talk about the wide receivers. DeAndre Hopkins continues to be our number one. I know the last two weeks has been a little iffy. I know that he has missed practice last couple of days because of the ankle issue. 
he's following the same pattern that he's had really the past couple of weeks. It's the Seattle Seahawks. I know they're on by, so people somehow kind of forget this right off the bat. Seattle Seahawks. DeAndre Hopkins, he'll be targeted. They'll get him involved. He'll be back to where he was a few weeks ago. He's going to have a big game in this one. We have a number one wide receiver. On the flip side, Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf. Metcalf comes in at top 10. Lockett just inside the top 20. Although I do think Lockett still has top 10 potential coming into this game. In fact, I wouldn't be surprised if the Seattle Seahawks came out of the bye and decided, you know what? We're going to get Lockett back on track. Because it was back and forth. DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett were both wide receiver ones up until about, I want to say, week three. Lockett had his big three-touchdown performance, and then all of a sudden, the two weeks before they go into their bye, it was all DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett kind of got left out. Now, Tyler Lockett has actually been a little bit banged up during that time. So he's had some time now to get healthy during the bye week. He's not on the injury report. Going up against the Arizona Cardinals, I think there's going to be a little bit more of an emphasis to have that over-the-top help on DK Metcalf's side. And this is something to watch. This is something I think is going to happen a little bit more consistently throughout the season that you're going to see now. With DK Metcalf emerging the way that he is, the mismatch that he presents for defenses, I think they're going to look at him and say, you know what? We have to make sure that we're cloud covering him. We can't just let DK Metcalf make these big plays every single game and kill us. So I think he's going to start to see a lot more double coverage. Tyler Lockett, who's the better route runner, the guy who runs underneath and gets some big plays here and there, has always been a favorite target of Russell Wilson, has always been a reliable target of Russell Wilson, he's going to get a course correction. He's going to get back on track. So while we have a wide receiver 19 coming into this week, he definitely, in my mind, has top 10 potential up against the Arizona Cardinals. What we saw out of the Dallas Cowboys offense last week is not indicative of where this Arizona Cardinal defense is. Remember, they don't have Chandler Jones. They don't have a true pass rush. Vance Joseph pretty much had to change his entire philosophy last week and become a blitzing first team. Guess what? With the way Russell Wilson is playing right now with DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, if you blitz him and give him one-on-ones with DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, everyone's going off. Everyone's going off. So obviously they're all must plays, but my big thing for you guys, if you've been a Tyler Lockett owner, been a little bit disappointed the last past couple of weeks, if you're a little bit worried about the emergence of DK Metcalf and what that means, what I have to say to you is, there's plenty of work with Russell Wilson to go to his two top wide receivers and Metcalf and Tyler Lockett for them both to continue to eat. Lockett will get right. I'm not worried about anybody else in Seattle. Arizona, the only other person that I didn't mention that I do want to talk about a little bit is, Chris, is Christian Kirk. He came in. He was wide receiver 35 for us on this week. He was a sleeper of mine heading into last week before he had the big game because it was Dallas. It's kind of a similar situation. Seattle secondary, Dallas is secondary. I don't know if there's a difference. Now, here's what I'll say. The Dallas Cowboy defense, they, they flat out, they quit. They quit last year. Uh, or last week, I should say. Seattle's not going to just quit like that. But it doesn't change the fact that their secondary, that their defense is a mismatch nightmare. It doesn't change the fact that Christian Kirk could go off for a couple big plays again. It doesn't change that. So he comes in, he's a top 36 wide receiver for us. He's somebody who could be a low-end wide receiver three, be a flex play for you, and does have that home run capability, that upside potential. He has been getting worked in more and more the past few weeks, especially as DeAndre Hopkins has been dealing with his ankle injury for the past couple of weeks. He's been getting targeted more consistently. He has overtaken Larry Fitzgerald as the second wide receiver as far as playing time goes. 
somebody we knew somebody else besides DeAndre Hopkins was going to have to get involved in this offense at some point. It looks like that person's going to be Christian Kirk. So if you if he's available out there, and I, I can't imagine he'd be available out there in too many leagues after the big game that he had on Monday night and being that, you know, he's playing another great match against Seattle. We're in heavy bye weeks. People are looking for replacements all over the place. If you need a plug-and-play at the flex position, Christian Kirk is somebody who has some value to me, has some sleeper potential. And I actually love Christian Kirk when you talk about DFS, too. So you're playing some DFS leagues this week. Make sure you go ahead, plug plug Christian Kirk in. That's going to be a nice little play for you. And make sure you're listening to my show, the DC's DFS show, on Saturday nights here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network from 9.30 to 10.30. I will be back. I've been off the last two weeks on the weekend. I'll be back there with my partner, Chris Pinto. We'll be breaking down all DFS lineups that we have for you guys, our DraftKings lineups, our FanDuel lineups, and we'll be talking about our lock bets of the week heading into NFL Sunday. That's on 9.30 on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network uh, Saturday night. So make sure you go ahead and check that out. We'll talk about more values that you can have for DraftKings. So the next thing I want to talk about here is the Kansas City Chiefs, Denver Broncos, Patrick Mahomes, of course, you know, number three quarterback on the week. I know it's been maybe, I don't know, semi-disappointing past couple of weeks. More from an NFL standpoint than a fantasy standpoint, because even fantasy-wise, he still won over 300 yards last week. Or he still threw for two touchdowns last week, excuse me. He'll be fine. Yes, these teams are playing more drop seven back, rush three, just don't give up the big play which I think affects Tyreek Hill more than affects anybody else in his offense. But Tyreek Hill, outside of last week, has scored in every single game. Last week was the first week he hadn't scored. He's Tyreek Hill. There's nothing to worry about there. I'm not going to say he has less of a ceiling if these teams continue to play this way. They'll just find different ways to get him involved. He comes in at wide receiver five for us this week. Travis Kelsey's our tight end one. So I think the only real story that we want to talk about is the running back situation. Le'Veon Bell is at practice. Andy Reid has come out more on the cautious side and said, you know what, we're going to wait to see what we get. We're going to wait to see where Le'Veon Bell is. And you know what? I respect that. I understand what he's trying to do. He's not trying to put any pressure on him to get ready to get play. And you don't have to. You have Clyde Edwards-Elair. You don't have to rush Le'Veon Bell out there. I do think Le'Veon Bell winds up being active in this game. though. I know there's a 50-50 split. I think he winds up being active in this game because... I think they're going to want to see what they can do with him before the Jets game. I don't think they're going to come out and say, you're just going to be activated for the Jets game next week. I want to see what they have before the Jets game. They talked about, the running backs coach talked about it being a thunder-lightning situation. I could see that. I talked about this last week. It wouldn't surprise me if this split wound up being a series-by-series basis. Or maybe a every two series for Le'Veon Bell. Two series for Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, and then one series for Le'Veon Bell. It wouldn't surprise me if it winds up being that, because these are two running backs, again, that have a three-down skill set. These are two running backs that can do everything on the field, and you're the Kansas City Chiefs, and Andy Reid has used multiple backs in the past. Here's what we know for sure. Bell will be more involved than Darrell Williams has been to this point. So Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is going to lose some touches than what he had originally. That we do know. We do know that CEH has had trouble in the red zone. We do know that they probably plan on playing Le'Veon Bell in that specialized role, but that's the only specialized role that I think that either one of these two are going to have. 
series by series or maybe two series for CEH and one series for Le'Veon Bell. That's the kind of split that we expect to see. And I do expect him to be active this week. And if he is active, we have Bell at wide receiver, um, excuse me, at running back 34. So a low-end flex play. Do you want to play him this week? No, you don't want to. You hopefully have a better option. But against the Denver Broncos, a team that I could see the Chiefs blowing out, if Le'Veon Bell is activated, it might be a good chance to get him some reps in the offense. We could see him quite a bit in the fourth quarter. It wouldn't surprise me. As far as the other wide receivers, Sammy Watkins, he'll be out this game. But you have Miko Hardman, Demarcus Robinson. Demarcus Robinson played ahead of him again last week. Miko Hardman wasn't even involved in the offense. Could that flip-flop? Yeah. We've seen it. We saw it last year. We flip-flop back and forth between which one was actually going to be more involved. But more times than not, Demarcus Robinson winds up being the guy who gets the majority of the snap count. Now, whether he has the better statistical line comes down to whether or not Miko Harmon got the big play that day. It was really weird because I thought you drafted Miko Harmon in the second round to replace Sammy Watkins at some point. You know you're going to be probably moving on from Sammy Watkins after this season. I don't know why you wouldn't see what you have out of Harmon unless he just has not developed enough as a route runner, which is quite possible because that was his big knock coming out with him coming out of college. Is why I wasn't huge on him. He's fast. He's an athlete. But I question how much of a real wide receiver he is. They seem to lean on Demarcus Robinson because he's a little bit more shorthanded and he's a little bit better of a route runner. That's been the consistent theory. Robinson comes in. He is a high-end wide receiver for with some upside because of the Chiefs offense that he is in. Not going to feel great about it, but if you are in a desperate situation, he's somebody that you could be looking at. But I would think, I would think that Christian Kirk would be available to you in that situation. I would think you could get somebody like that rather than having to stick with a Demarcus Robinson. But he does have some upside potential because this is the Chiefs offense, because of his situation, because that he plays ahead of Miko Harmon when Sammy Watkins is out. On flip it on the other side, you go to the Denver side of the ball. Not a lot to talk about here as far as who you want to play. The good news is Noah Fant, he's in, he's playing, he's practicing. You're going to be able to play him as a borderline top 10 tight end. We have him at number 10 on the week coming into this matchup. You have to play him. No matter what the quarterback has been, no matter what the matchup has been, Noah Fant has been the most reliable wide receiver or reliable pass catcher they can go to. Down the field. He's the biggest mismatch they have now that Cortland Sutton's out. Jerry Judy's been a rookie. We have him at wide receiver 36. So we have him right at that, right at that cutoff point of making you know wide receiver three territory. Just because of volume. The volume's got to go somewhere. Tim Patrick is a guy who has wide receiver, top end wide receiver four with some upside because the past two weeks he's actually been more involved in the offense than Jerry Judy has. He's been the number one target, actually. Talked about him as a, as a pickup, as a sleeper, because he's somebody, because of his body stature, actually has red zone capabilities. But I wonder if he's going to lose some now because Noah Fant's back, and they're going to be able to use Noah Fant in those roles. So that's why I worry about Tim Patrick a little bit heading into this game. Not that you were if you were playing Tim Patrick, it wasn't like you had the best of hopes for him in the first place. But I do kind of wonder, when they get into the red zone, stuff like that, Noah Fant being back, I wonder how that's going to affect the overall usage of a Tim Patrick, his overall standing as a 
sleeper type of wide receiver. And don't forget, against the Kansas City Chiefs, perimeter wide receivers tend to do not as well anyway. That's why I expect Jerry Judy, I expect Noah Fant to be a little bit more involved in this game. I expect Tim Patrick to have a pretty low floor in this one. That's why he comes into our wide receiver four territories. Why he doesn't crack our top 36, even though he's had two good weeks in a row. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. It's open enrollment for the ACA Health Insurance Marketplace. If you want to enroll in a new health plan or update your current one, GetCoveredIllinois.gov can help you navigate health coverage to find a quality health plan. Find out if you qualify for financial help and get free enrollment assistance. Our local navigators are here for you. Your simplified health plan coverage journey starts at GetCoveredIllinois.gov. Melvin Gordon's going to play. He practiced all week. He's going to play. Kansas City is a good matchup for running backs. Denver's going to have to lean on him. I think the question on everybody's mind is, what's the split going to be? Because that was, that was the question on everybody's mind coming into the season. But Philip Lindsay got hurt so early on that we haven't really been able to see the Broncos in action too much with too much data on what happens when Melvin Gordon and Philip Lindsay are both activated. Who gets the most of the work? Well... Well, or who, what's the, what's the rotation should be? That's probably the better way to say it. Because we know most of the work is going to go to Melvin Gordon. He is the three-down back. They don't trust Philip Lindsay when it comes to pass protection. Therefore, he's not out there. So Melvin Gordon gets the passing down work. Royce Freeman will go back to being a non-thing. He wasn't even very good when he got his chance to rotate in with Philip Lindsay to begin with. So I think the question is, how many carries are they going to get? And it should be, it should be a 55-45-60-40 split, I would imagine, uh, for carries. So I think that's the route that they wanted to go going into the season. Philip Lindsay looked good last week, had 23 carries for over 100 yards. Obviously, Melvin Gordon right now off the field is not in great standing with the team or with the league at the moment. I think all those things kind of play into some degree. But given this matchup, given that sometimes in these situations, you'll see players come out with a little bit of a chip on their shoulder to have a good game to kind of rewrite the script, sort of say, on their PR stance when something bad like this happens. I think you could see a little extra angry Melvin Gordon running out there. I got him as RB14 on the week coming in. He should still see, whether it's receiving or carries, he should still see somewhere between 15 to 20 touches. It is a good match against Kansas City. I do believe Denver's game plan coming into this game is going to be what the other team's game plan has been so far, which is, Try to keep the Chiefs' offense off the field for as long as possible, meaning you're going to lean on the running game. Plain and simple. That's what they're going to do. Will it work for Denver? No. But I think that's what they're going to attempt to do, especially early on in the game. So I think you're going to see a lot of healthy Melvin Gordon throughout this week. That's why he comes in RB14. You go ahead and play him without any real questions. I will mention, not that you're going to care for fantasy football purposes this week, but KJ Hamler is supposed to be back too. That also kind of plays into the Tim Patrick having a very low floor in this game. 
KJ Hamler, somebody just I have my eye on for future DFS because of his big play capability, and I want to see with Fant back now, Hamler back, Tim Patrick, how he has been utilized, and Jerry Judy. I want to see exactly where this rotation is going to go to see some sleeper value out here. None of these guys are going to be people you want to depend on, except for Noah Fant, from a week-to-week basis. But these are guys that have some sleeper value, have some DFS value. So I'm going to keep my eye on them for that and that rotation this week against the Kansas City Chiefs in a game which they're probably going to have to come back from behind, and we might see quite a bit of these wide receivers in the second half. So something to keep my eye on there. What we're going to do is we're going to take a quick break. We still have some more games to get to. We'll come back on the other side with our last bit of late window games, the Sunday night game, the Monday night game, and, of course, the mailbag segment for you guys right after these messages. You're listening to the MD's Fantasy Football Show on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. And welcome back, MD Nation. As always, I'm your host, Dan Mater, on the MD's Fantasy Football Show, here live to you on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network, of course, on your Android apps. Or if you have iOS, you can go to WWSRN at any time, presented to you by Belly Up Sports. We've been talking about the late window of games. We've got you update on the injuries from the games that we previewed in yesterday's show, which you can, you can look up on your favorite streaming app at any time and check out those episodes. And we had talked about some breaking news that came through about Joe Mixon. We had some more breaking news just during that break. It looks like Austin Hooper has been ruled out for Sunday with an illness. It is not COVID-related. That is the probably the most important part of that uh, because Austin Hooper himself is somebody who's kind of fallen out of my territory of actual streaming tight ends that you can go to in the first place. Uh, So that just came in out of the break, just so you guys know. I think I actually did forget to mention about the Raiders early on in this show uh, that they did not have any more positive tests out of them. Their offensive line is still at home doing virtual workouts. Uh, No, Had negative tests across the board. They get another negative tomorrow. They should get everybody back, I think, except for Jonathan Abram and possibly no Trent Brown, but everybody else might be able to come back on that offensive line and for the Raiders. And that game, of course, in and of itself, won't be put to possible postponement or cancellation uh, if they are good to go. So that's looking like it's trending in the right direction. Knock on wood, those things change all the time, though. So moving on with the other late window of games that we want to preview for you guys in today's show, we got the San Francisco 49ers. We got the New England Patriots in the 4 o'clock hour. And from a fantasy standpoint, it's kind of a little, it's a little ugly. I mean, obviously you have George Kittle. He actually comes in a tight end four for us. And the reason why he's not, you know, number two next to Travis Kelsey, and we just moved him down two spots. I know, ooh, big deal. Uh, not, doesn't change how you're going to play him at all. But I am a little bit worried because of the way the 49ers are constituted, because we know Belichick is known for taking away your best pass catching option, that there's going to be a lot of attention on George Kittle. Uh, You might even see some Stephon Gilmore. We've seen that in the past. They're going to send their best pass cover people at George Kittle this entire game. That's what we're going to see. So I'm a little bit worried about what that could mean for his ceiling. However, I'm not concerned overall. Obviously, George Kittle, top five tight end. Don't plan on that changing at, at any point. So you play George Kittle. Jimmy Garoppolo is obviously not a streaming quarterback, I believe, against the New England Patriots and this defense, given the weapons that they have had, given how inconsistent he has been. I think the question on everybody's mind is like, okay, what do you expect out of Jarek McKinnon? That's that's a loaded bag. That That's a mixed nut bag right now. We have him at RB21, and I got to tell you, I don't feel great about making him a low-end RB2. I'm doing that based on the fact that we have seen this team without Raheem Mostert lean on Jarek McKinnon. But I do think it was very concerning last week that when Mostert went out of the game, that entire rest of the second half, 
It was a Michael Hasty who was more involved than Jarek McKinnon was. I don't know what the reason for that was at this point. Jarek McKinnon was supposed to be the second back used. But I also thought it was very interesting that the second Raheem Mostert came back, Jerick McKinnon wasn't very involved. Remember, these last two weeks, the 49ers, even when Raheem Mostert was healthy, they were still rotating in Tevin Coleman. Jerick McKinnon was still getting touches. It looked like they, like Raheem Mostert has suddenly become a bell cow in the San Francisco 49er offense, which is something we just haven't seen under Shanahan. We haven't seen anybody just become the bell cow. And it looked like that's what happened to Mostert. So I'm not exactly sure what's going on here. McKinnon's been solid. He hasn't been great, but he's been solid for the 49ers. He is going into this game as the listed starter, as the guy that we expect to get the majority of the work. But how much of the majority of the work? Because he had he had games where he had 18 carries, plus 20 carries in those two weeks. I think that's the kind of volume you're hoping for with no Raheem Mostert. That's not the volume that I am 100% sure you're going to get. This game obviously will tell us a lot more because Raheem Mostert is expected to miss at least a few weeks. I know that's kind of going back and forth because at first I thought they were going to put him on the IR and look, they're saying now that he might be able to avoid the short-term IR, meaning he might be back within three weeks or so. I, he'll miss his game. We would expect him to at least miss next week as well. So Jarek McKinnon will kind of give us an indication on what we're looking for, what we need to do moving moving forward. Um, right now, like I said, he comes in as a low-end RB2 for us against New England Patriots. They did just let up 100 yards to Philip Lindsay last week. If Jarek McKinnon were to get the bulk of the work, he should be in line for a decent game, but I'm going to have my eye on what they want to do with Jamichael Hasty. Jeff Wilson will be back in there. I'm not so worried about Jeff Wilson because even early on in the season when they were going with just McKinnon and Jeff Wilson when Raheem Moster was out, Wilson was only in there after I think when McKinnon got banged up uh, in that one game where he had a rib injury. He didn't really play much in the fourth quarter, and that wound up being all Wilson. Wilson just had a very good fourth quarter. And then the following week, McKinnon against the Eagles, he was the guy, he got 23 carries. Wilson wasn't even involved in that game plan. So I don't think Wilson's really a thing too much. I think people are overblowing that aspect of it. My concern is to Michael Hasty. how much are they going to utilize him after what they showed last week? That's going to be my concern. Now, that could have been just part of Wilson wasn't activated and it wasn't part of the game plan to use McKinnon a lot. Sometimes that happens where teams just do something that they're not really going to do moving forward when they get thrown a curveball in the middle of a game like that. Sometimes that just kind of happens that way. Um, so I'm not going to look at this like, oh, it's definitely going to be a 50-50 split. I'm not looking at it like that. Expect McKinnon to get the majority of work. You can play him as a low-end RB2. We're just going to have our eye on this moving into next week when they play Seattle, and you're going to want to play McKinnon as a high-end RB2 if he's seeing the volume. Uh, but you can play him this week. Moving on, New England Patriots, you got to play Cam. He's a top-10 quarterback for us. you got to look at it this way from a fantasy standpoint. Even though from an NFL standpoint it was horrible last week, he's still, because of his legs, because they're willing to let him run, because he is the number one running back of the New England Patriots. There's not a running back on the New England Patriots. It's Cam Newton, and then everybody else kind of gets mixed in. He's the goal-line guy. He can give you top 10 performances from a fantasy standpoint every single week, even when they don't play well, even when he has no one to throw the football to. And that's kind of been the issue. I mean, Julian Edelman, he comes in as a low-end wide receiver three for us, and even that, I'm just like, eh. Now, clearly, he's not healthy right now. And we have him as a wide receiver three thirty one to be exact because of the volume that's just expected to go to him. They have to throw the ball to somebody. Right now, Edelman looks like the last man standing. You have all these teams talking about, you know, possibly signing Antonio Brown, the team who needs him the most, especially if they want to make a true playoff run, has got to be the New England Patriots. I know Seattle keeps getting talked up a lot. The Patriots have to be in desperation mode as far as trying to find a wide receiver, whether that's 
trading for A.J. Green if he's really on the block, maybe trading for Alshon Jeffrey from Philadelphia Eagles. The cheaper option right now, though, would actually be to go out and sign Antonio Brown because you're not going to pay Antonio Brown a ton right now. You probably would be able to get him less than when you had to pay A.J. Green for the rest of the year on the franchise tag. You'd probably be able to pay him less than what's left on Alshon Jeffrey's contract, frankly. And you need not, and frankly, I think Antonio Brown has more to offer than any of those other guys. If Julian Edelman is just not going to be Julian Edelman anymore, which part of that might be due to his injury, we don't really know, you're going to need an Antonio Brown. You're going to need something. You need somebody for Cam to throw the ball to. Nikhil Harry's just a guy. He is. He's just a guy. There's nothing about his game that screams that he's developed and took a big step from where he was in college. He's still a guy who struggles with separation. Is he a guy who can make a catch in a 50-50 situation and offer Cam some red zone uh, targetability? Sure. But he's not dominant in any of those one of those things. And because of the lack of options that the Patriots have, he's going to see a little bit more volume. But he's not the guy that they want to lean on. He's not the guy that they need. So for Cam to take his game to the next level, I think they're going to need to get a wide receiver. I think they need to get Antonio Brown. For now, though, you can continue to play him as a low-end, top-end, a low-end, top 10 quarterback because of his rushing ability. Which leads us into the running back situation. We don't have a Patriots running back ranked inside the top 36 this week. We don't. James White missed practice yesterday due to a non-injury related issue. We're not really sure what the what the problem is there. Uh, we should find out more about that today. But we don't have him. Against the San Francisco 49ers, we've been pretty good against the run even despite all of their injuries. Nobody's that involved. If I'm going to play one, if he's active, it would be James White. Just because he was the lead pass catcher last week, he seems to be getting more involved in that aspect of the game. So he offers you some sort of floor with his receiving ability. But Rex Burkhead, Harris, these are guys that, one, have to compete with Cam Newton when it comes to goal line touches. But two, you saw games like that against Denver last week. Now, that was a bad game for the New England Patriots. And from an offensive standpoint, from a statistical standpoint, it's probably something that's not going to be the norm. But against the Denver Broncos, in a game in which never really got out of hand, it wasn't like the Patriots were getting smashed in that game. They wouldn't, they didn't, nobody had 10 carries. Nobody. And they're rotating Rex Burkhead and, and, and Harris and, and James White in a little too much for anybody to actually get going. And that's kind of been the big issue there, too. So unless you're in a full point PPR league, and you desperately need a flex play, James White's the only guy I'm even contemplating playing out of his backfield. Other than that, I'm not playing anybody. And this is going to be a real mess when Sony Michelle comes back soon. Other than that one game out of Harris where Cam Newton didn't play, he hasn't done anything special. He hasn't taken over that job. Sony Michelle will get worked back in when he comes in too. I don't want to own a New England Patriot running back. Period. I don't want to play him. I don't want to own him. I don't want that headache. Like I said, if you have to play one, it'd be James White. Otherwise, I'm trying to avoid it altogether if I possibly can. So we move on. We go to the Jacksonville. We go to the Chargers game. A little more fantasy upside here. Gardner Minshew, while he hasn't really played really well, and while Jacksonville has been talking about him as somebody they might think about benching, here's what I'll say to that. If they bench Gardner Minshew, Doug Moreau, not only are you fired, but they that's just pretty much like, hey, you know what? Uh, this Jets team, they're doing a lot better job tanking for Trevor Lawrence than we are, which is what we were supposed to do coming into the season. You guys remember that when we got rid of all of our talent for draft picks? We were supposed to be in a position to go get Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, uh, they're screwing that up. 
So the only reason I could see them going to Gardner Minshew is if, if that's the game plan. Otherwise, it doesn't make any sense. Gardner Minshew, at least, even though he hasn't been playing well, we know what Mike Glennon is. What's Mike Glennon going to do? This is a team that looks like they're out there fighting. It looks like they're actually trying to compete, unlike the Jets team. It doesn't look like they have a care in the world, and I can't blame them for having a coach like Adam Gase to do that. But this is a team at least trying to be competitive every single week. You're competitive with Gardner Minshew. You're not competitive with Mike Lennon. What has Mike Lennon ever done? How is that even a conversation? Are you just trying to light a fire under Gardner Minshew? I don't know. But from a fantasy standpoint, especially in this game and most of the games, there's just going to be a high volume when it comes to the passing game. It's going to be a high volume of throws. It's going to be 35, 40 attempts every single week because every single week the Jacksonville Jaguars are going to have to come back from behind. So Gardner Minshew winds up being our QB 13 on the week. DJ Chark did practice most of this week. He actually should be expected to be good to go. I know he didn't have a huge week last week, but he had a lot of targets. He's still very much part of that offense. I know he's been a little bit disappointing. He's not a guy I'm looking to move on. In fact, I'd be the opposite way. If you can buy low on DJ Chark, that's what I'm doing. Because we know what his big playability is, and he's been getting the volume, which was the big concern earlier on in the season. That hasn't been the concern since he's come back uh, from that first injury earlier on. DJ Chark is our wide receiver 24 this week, and he does have some upside from there. I don't have Keelan Cole in the top 36. Keelan Cole's just a guy. He's been inconsistent. And as long as DJ Chark's out there and seeing that kind of volume, he picked up the slack because Chark wasn't able to be efficient with the targets that he saw last week. It was circumstantial. Keelan Cole's just a guy. And on top of it, Keelan Cole is going to have a bad matchup here against the, against the Chargers in this game. They're going to have to lean on DJ Chark and his big payability to get the ball moving, I believe. And work in LaVisca Chenault, who also is not in our top 36, but is somebody who continues to be worked in in multiple ways. He does offer you a little bit of a floor because he's been able to get you by hook or by crook around 80 yards per game, it seems like. So again, I mean, only if you're like, like I need eight points, I need, you know, whatever, you can go ahead and throw out LaVisca Chenault. There's a pretty good chance he'll be able to find a way to get you that, whether it's through the rushing game or the passing game. But he just doesn't have a lot of upside. He's still developing. As long as DJ Chark's out there, his big playability, I think, gets capped to some degree because the big plays down the field are going to DJ Chark, not to LaVisca Chenault. And they keep using him more as a gadget play who's developing as a wide receiver until he establishes himself to be able to play on the perimeter every single down and get separation. It's going to take that before he's able to take the next step. Does that happen this season? Maybe, but I'm going to guess probably not. He's somebody that I'm okay with you rostering through the bye weeks. But I don't know when you're ever going to feel great about playing LaVisca Chenault. Even though he's offered you a better floor than I expected him to earlier on this season so far. Yes, I saved the best for last. I want to talk about James Robinson. Now, we have him at RB13 going into this game. He's still getting all the volume. He's still a red zone threat. He's still getting the passing work. So the volume is what keeps him safe. The volume is what keeps him as a high-end RB2. But I'm a little bit concerned about James Robinson. The past couple of weeks, he hasn't looked as good. He hasn't been getting the stat line that he was getting earlier on in the season where he was getting you pretty much almost an elite RB1 stat line. This team has fallen back into more of what I expected them to be, which is a team that, after the first half, has to come out throwing the ball, has to come out in shotgun, has to come out and spread. As a result, Robinson has been affected by that. His ceiling has been affected by that. They can't just keep the ground game going. They're not in a position to do that. I don't think it's going to be any different in this game. 
Now, like I said, because of the volume, he has a very high floor, and he is a red zone threat. They use him in the goal line. So that will always give him that boost. That will always keep him in that range. But I think the days of him giving you surprising top RB1-like numbers, I think might be over. So keep that in mind with James Robinson. I don't think you can have the same expectations that you were beginning to have for him early on in the season, unless he gets himself into certain matchups. But because of the way the game scripts have been going, it's going, it's reverting back to more of what we feared when we were talking about Leonard Fournette, right? Which was, you're on an offense that doesn't score a lot of points, that has to throw the ball a lot to come back from behind, and you're going to find yourself left out of the game script sometimes. We're starting to see a little bit more of that. So just I'm a little bit concerned about James Robinson and what your expectations might be for him on a week-to-week basis. Obviously, I'm not that concerned as far as whether you can play him and trust him as a volume guy, as a guy who's going to be productive for you from a fantasy football standpoint, as we have him as RB13 on the week. So don't get me twisted, but just a little concerned about what his ceiling really is the rest of the way. Talk about the Chargers. Justin Herbert, he's looked good. He's going to have his full weapons. Keenan Allen, Hunter Henry, Mike Williams are all going to be out there. You have Justin Jackson, Joshua Kelly playing as the Jacksonville Jaguars. Should have the ability to use his legs in this game. He comes in at QB 11 for us. I want to say he's a top-end streamer, but at this point, I don't know how many leagues Justin Herbert's really still available anymore because of how he has played over the past few weeks. A lot of people have picked him up. A lot of people who are streaming quarterbacks picked up Justin Herbert and plan to play him as a low-end QB1 the rest of the way. And you know what? I'm completely fine with that. I got asked a question yesterday. It was like Justin Herbert or Drew Brees the rest of the way. I think that's really close. But I want to say, I, you know, I have Justin Herbert a little bit higher rest of season over a guy like Drew Brees. And I continue to be solidified because at this point, who knows when Michael Thomas is going to come back as he keeps finding new ways to find himself to be inactive. So those are things you have to kind of take into consideration as well. Joshua Kelly, Justin Jackson. We have them both around that RB2 territory. Justin Jackson, a low-end RB2. Joshua Kelly, more of a high-end RB3. Borderline, low-end RB2. My point is I think you can play them both in this game, actually. Is the Jacksonville Jaguars. They have been gashed by every team that they have played so far this season. And because the Chargers are using both Jackson and Kelly in this split, I think you can play both. Now, Jackson, I don't think, comes as a surprise to anybody. Matchup, plus he was definitely the lead back the last time we saw them before they came out of the bye. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. This holiday season, Lexus wants you to remember. Nothing feels as good as making others feel good. Those so-called feel-good holiday films? They can't hold a gingerbread-scented candle to the feeling of giving them something that gives them all the feels. Make this December one to remember. Together. Click the banner to discover more. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. So we can expect Jackson to get the majority of the work. But Kelly wasn't that far behind him in carries. And I know Kelly's been a little bit disappointing. He's had some fumble issues uh, since the first two weeks where people got really excited about him. 
I don't think he has big explosive playability, but in this game, his physicalness, the way he runs, is a big matchup problem for the Jacksonville Jaguars. They still have some speed on that defense. They have nobody who's a brute force. They have nobody who can take on when you run right at them. The guy who's going to run right at them more is going to be Joshua Kelly. So I wouldn't be surprised if he got into a rhythm early on and all of a sudden maybe had the hot hand at some point in, in this game. It just wouldn't surprise me. I still expect Jackson to get most of the work, but I think Kelly has a chance to get a good game and kind of get back to what we saw the first couple of weeks in this particular matchup. And I expect the Chargers, they should dominate this game or at least be up by a couple of scores heading into the second half. I think they're going to lean on the running game a little bit more than what they had to this point. So I think you can play both Jackson and Kelly this particular week, especially with all the bye weeks and all the injuries coming through. At the wide receiver position, like I said, Keenan Allen, he's back. We have him at wide receiver 10 on the week with him being back. It sounds like he's as close to 100% as you would expect or and or you know want him to be. But as a result of that, Mike Williams winds up being a guy who's outside our top 36. He's more of a wide receiver four with upside. I know he had a big game uh, before they went into the bye, but that was because Keenan Allen was out. He got hurt. The target share when Justin Herbert has played simply flat out has not gone to Mike Williams when Keenan Allen's been healthy. I don't expect that to change. Justin Herbert just reminds me of a very young version of Phillip Rivers, of what Phillip Rivers is now or what Phillip Rivers was last year. Maybe not necessarily the interceptions, but in the sense of who he's targeting and why. He's not looking to take chances down the field. And when he does, it's usually just taking a shot for taking shot purposes to get the safeties on the defense to back up a little bit. Keenan Allen's getting double-digit targets since Justin Herbert has taken over. And Hunter Henry, who we have as tight end three this week against the Jacksonville Jaguars, is somebody who's been getting around the eight target mark on a pretty consistent basis as well. He hasn't had the huge games yet, but he's been there as far as what volume you're looking for out of a top five tight end. That's just been the case since Herbert has taken over, which means there's very little left for Mike Williams because then you also throw in the way the running backs are involved in the passing game, which is a lot with Herbert as well. He checks down the ball a lot. So as long as Keenan Allen is healthy, I don't care what the matchup is. Mike Williams is somebody who might not be looking at more than three to four targets. And therefore, someone who can't be considered more than a boomer bust option as a wide receiver four. He just can't. So he doesn't crack the top 36 for us this week. We want to talk about the Rams and... Oh, I'm sorry. We want to talk about... Yeah, we want to talk about Tampa Bay and the Raiders. Tom Brady, he's QB 18 for us. Low-end streaming option. I know it's the Raiders. I know he has his weapons back. He definitely has more upside than that. But the other thing about the Raiders is that they're terrible against the run. Leonard Fournette is practicing full. Bruce Arians already came out earlier today and said they are good to go. I, how much is he going to be involved? I think that's the question. We have Fournette as RB36. We have him at the low-end RB3 territory. I do believe he is going to get somewhere between 8 to 10 touches minimum. I think that's going to be his floor. And against the Raiders... That could mean a touchdown. That could mean decent production. That's why we wind up having him come in at 36. I would hope you have a better option Leonard Fournette. I'm not trying to suggest that you should play Leonard Fournette. But what I am more trying to make the point is that there is going to be a cap to Ronald Jones' ceiling. There's going to be a cap to Ronald Jones' usage. I don't think you're going to see him get 20 carries in this game. Unless Tampa Bay just decides they're just going to run the heck out of the ball between the two of them against the Raiders, which they could decide to do being that it's the Raiders. 
But I think all things being equal. Now, we have Ronald Jones coming in as RB11. Because how he has looked on first and second down the first past couple of weeks can't be ignored. And the matchup can't be ignored. But all these people who want to say, like, because of the way he has played in Leonard Fournette's absence due to injury over the past couple of weeks has solidified that he should have a longer leash, that it's not going to just be one plan out, I completely disagree with you. The second he fumbles, the second he misses a block, because Leonard Fournette is healthy, Ronald Jones will lose playing time. Period. That hasn't changed. It hasn't been that he's outplayed Leonard Fournette. It's that Leonard Fournette has been out there to play him with. I guarantee you Brady and Bruce Arians, especially when it comes to the passing side of things, still do not fully trust Ronald Jones. They just don't. That hasn't changed. So we're going to see it this week. I think a lot of people are like, hey, you know what? Because I've been one of the guys saying that you need to sell high on Ronald Jones. And there's been some pushback on that. There's people out there saying, like, no, keep him. He's beaten Leonard Fournette at this point. No, he hasn't. Leonard Fournette's been hurt. He hasn't beaten him. One bad play, and it goes back to a 50-50 timeshare at best. I'm letting you guys know that right now. They want Leonard Fournette to take over at some point. It won't be this game because Fournette's just getting back off the injury. But it's not going to be Ronald Jones leading the way, being the bell cow. That's not going to be the case. So if you want to sell high on Ronald Jones, now's the time to do it. Or because of the matchup, they could have a bit of a share, have a bit of a split. He could still have a good game in this one. Like I said, we have RB11. And then after this one, be like, hey, see, Leonard Fournette was back and he still had a good game. Sell him off of that. But I'm selling Ronald Jones. I'm not staying pat there. If I can get an RB2 that doesn't have to have this migraine of somebody looming over his shoulder the second he makes a bad play, I'd rather have that guy. So sell him off if you get the chance. Mike Evans comes in at wide receiver 21. Obviously, he has more upside than that because of the matchup. And Chris Godwin comes at wide receiver 15. Both of these guys have top 10 potential because they're playing the, the Raiders, but they're definitely higher-end wide receiver twos. I'm just a little bit more concerned with Mike Evans after only seeing one target last week. I think Chris Godwin is the more secure wide receiver. He is the guy that all, he's going to see more targets on a consistent basis. But in this matchup, they could both easily score. They could both easily have big games. That's why, even though they're wide receiver twos, they definitely have more upside potential than that. Rob Gronkowski is tight end six for us. He's been involved. He's looked better. He looks like he's actually getting back to closer to game shape. And the big thing is that with O.J. Howard out, he's played more than I expected him to. I thought they would split things up a little bit more between Gronk and Cameron Bright. That really hasn't been the case. Gronk's been playing everywhere. And now after last week where it looks like he finally kind of got off the snide and actually looked like he was getting some separation, looked like he was getting open, looked like he was playing more winded into the fourth quarter. You're looking for guys at tight end. Rob Gronkowski, I think, could be hovering around that top 10 for the rest of the season. And he comes at tight end six for us this week. So he's definitely a top streaming option if he's still available out there to you guys on your waiver wires. We move on to the Monday night game, the last game we want to talk about before we get to the mailbag segment. Between the Chicago Bears and the Los Angeles Rams, this has a chance to be kind of an ugly Monday night game. The Rams' offense has been inconsistent. The play calling's been consistent, but the execution out of Jared Goff, we're back on this. Jared Goff has to have this home away split. Now, in this particular matchup, the Rams are home. But I think it's a bad match against Chicago's defense. Chicago's defense has been very good. and They've been very impressive to me. They're the reason the Bears are 5-1. and one. I think everybody recognizes that. Khalil Mack's been a problem. 
Jared Goff comes in a QB 22 for us. So he's not somebody that we're considering playing. But the Rams are at home. Goff tends to play better. I make that point to say I'm okay with Cooper Cup and Robert Woods. I get it. It's not a great matchup on paper. Their involvement has been very inconsistent. It seems to be one wide receiver or the other as far as what their stat line winds up being at the end of the day, even though their target share is pretty similar. They come in as more high-end wide receiver threes for us, given the matchup, than being the wide receiver two selves that they normally are. But they're still guys that have potential to get inside the top 24 any given week. Cooper Cup should have had a better game last week. He dropped, well, he, I shouldn't say dropped. He lost the ball that was a, a deep ball pass against the 49ers. He kind of just lost it in the lights. Had he been able to track that, he was open. That would have been a big play. And he had a chance for a touchdown. Robert Woods was able to get the touchdown, but he also had some plays out there that kind of got left out on the field. Better days are ahead for Robert Woods and Cooper Cup. I know it hasn't been completely pretty, but these are still solid wide receiver twos rest of season for this game in particular though, because of the match, because of the way they have played as of late. You have to kind of consider them more high-end wide receiver threes just to kind of give you an idea of where to have your expectations at when you're setting your lineups and plugging these guys in. The Rams' backfield is just another backfield I don't want anything to do with, but Dale Henderson is RB26 for us. Sean McVay clearly lied to us last week, or at least Darrell Henderson got the hot hand early on. He decided not to go to Cam Akers. Cam Akers was not more involved heading into last week. He was less involved. It's just, but it's a crapshoot. You're you're playing you're playing roulette when you when it comes to the Rams' backfield because it's just it's not going to surprise anybody if Cam Akers or Malcolm Brown get more involved in a particular week. Darrell Henderson is the guy that you want to own. Darrell Henderson is the guy that you want to play because he's just been more consistent so far this season. But nobody's going to be surprised if that just changes on a dime. That's why I really don't want to play him if I have the chance. But Henderson does come in as a higher-end RB3 for us this week because he has been the guy who's been getting most of the work to this point. Tyler Higby is tight end 17. He has a really low floor, though. He's been very dependent on touchdowns. He's not getting as involved. And Jailed Everett's been more and more involved over the past couple of weeks, which kind of concerns me to some degree as well. So, Tyler Higby, you should have better options. We've listed out some of those for you guys up until this point as well. We'll move on to the Chicago Bears side of things. David Montgomery, RB20, just based on volume. It's really it's really annoying because he's he's involved in the passing game. He he actually is a bell cow back when it comes to usage in the Chicago team. Is highly inefficient. The offensive line's not great. Matt Nagy, as far as offensive play calling, I think has been horrendous now for the second year in a row. Now, he's not on the hot seat like he was a year ago because somehow the Chicago team is 5-1, and one, and it's still mind-boggling to me because they, they kind of look like the Philadelphia Eagles more so to me. Maybe not quite that bad, but more along an NFC East type of team, and yet somehow this team is 5-1, and one, like I said, mostly because of that defense. But I haven't been very impressed with the offensive play calling. They're not really getting David Montgomery out on the edges. The only nice thing is that he's added to his game since Tariq Cohen's been out is that he's consistently getting about five to six targets a game. He's getting work in, in, in the receiving game, which is giving him a floor. It hasn't been pretty. Everyone's complaining about David Montgomery and his efficiencies and not being very good, but he's offering a floor with his touches every single week, which brings him in as a low-end RB2, brings him as RB20 in for this game. So I think you do have to play him, or you can play him if you're in a position where you're looking for a running back. Allen Robinson's the only other guy. Well, I shouldn't say that. There's two more guys of fantasy. No, Allen Robinson comes in at wide receiver 28 for us. He's still seeing the target share, but this is going to be a tough matchup for Allen Robinson. I think it's going to be a tough matchup mostly for Nick Foles, though. 
against this Rams defense. He's going to see Jalen Ramsey, so that's always kind of a knock there too. But they're also going to cloud cover Allen Robinson in this game. It's something the Rams like to do when a team has a clear-cut wide receiver one. They'll cloud cover him a little bit more, use Aaron Donald, use some of the blitzes on the weak side to get the quarterback. You're going to see a lot of that in this game. So I think they're going to be harassing Nick Foles quite a bit, and I think Allen Robinson is going to have very few opportunities to be able to make a mark uh, in this matchup. The other guy we have to talk about is Jimmy Graham. <laughs> I know the resurgence of Rob Gronkowski and Jimmy Graham. He's tight end nine for us. I don't feel great about it, but when you look around the tight end landscape and you look at what he has done, you look at where he has been targeted, which he's been giving good opportunities in the red zone as the guy who has the mismatch on the opposite side to Allen Robinson, which has helped him greatly in that, in that sense, people have been going to him. And you can't ignore that. And he's been seeing a healthy amount of volume. He actually has a better floor than a lot of the other tight ends out there. So believe it or not, yeah, Jimmy Graham is tight end nine for us this week, and he's somebody who's going to probably be hovering around that top 12 territory for the majority of this season as I got microphones and everything falling down at me at the shockingness of Jimmy Graham. We're going to go to a quick break, come back on the other side, all the technical stuff will be worked out, and then we will also have uh, a mailbag segment for you guys right after this. It's the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. You're listening to the MD's Fantasy Football Show on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. All right, we're back after those technical difficulties that we were having there for a second. Uh, <laughs> giving such hot takes that our equipment is uh, throwing itself at me, apparently. Uh, we're, but we're back here. We got the mailbag segment for you guys, of course. Now, if you ever want to get on the mailbag segment, all you have to do is hit us up on social media at BillyUpMDFFShow on Twitter. And remember, even if you don't get on the mailbag segment during one of these shows, we will always answer any fantasy football issue questions that you may have and make sure that you have the edge on your opponent every single week. So don't worry about it. We're always here working for you, working to better for you guys as well. So. All right, so we had a few more mailbag questions for you guys. We've actually plucked out five of them. We're going to get through them real quickly before we go ahead and close out the show uh, by 1.30 in this one. First up, we had Diem. He asked me, do I trade Robert Woods for Noah Fant? Now, this one's kind of interesting to me. Now, my, my initial reaction is, is no, because I'm not. we talked about no, Robert Woods. They're going to get this thing turned around. The Rams are going to be better moving forward. I expect them to get Robert Woods back. Remember, Robert Woods wasn't Robert Woods from last year until the end of last season, where all of a sudden he just lit it up. He started getting all of these targets. Hit Cooper Cup kind of went to the wayside towards the second half of last year. My point is that Robert Woods has a chance to get this thing turned around and be more of the high-end wide receiver, too, that you drafted him to be. So there's going to be more value there. But because it's Noah Fant, because if you're playing in a league that needs a tight end, because there's so few good ones that you can count on, especially in a situation where you're streaming tight end, things might be desperate for you. Things might not look, look great for you. And in that case, I think Noah Fant is somebody you have to kind of consider with this deal. If you're strong at wide receiver and you're just looking for a tight end that you can actually depend on on a week-to-week basis... I would be open to doing this deal depending upon the roster construction that you have, DM. So it all depends on that. If you are weak at wide, if you trade Robert Woods, you only have maybe three receivers that you want to count on a week to week basis. No, I'm not doing this deal. I would rather stream a tight end at that point. But if you have four, maybe five receivers that you are feel pretty good about right now on your team, and you are a tight end away from having a more complete team heading into this week, 
then yeah, you know what? I think you can you can make this deal and go for Noah Fan. So it all depends on your roster construction, but I think this is something that you could make a trade on and not have it come back to bite you too much. Nina asked me, drop Corey Davis for A.J. Green. Yeah, 100%. We don't really know what's going on with Corey Davis. He's still on COVID reserve. We're not sure when he's going to be activated. But even if he does, A.J. Brown's back now. Corey Davis's success has been primarily based on the volume that he has been seeing in A.J. Brown's absence. Remember, even go back to week one when they were activated. I know Corey Davis had a good game with A.J. Brown, quote-unquote, on the field. But that was the game he picked up the injury. And while A.J. Brown played it out, he looked like he was completely hindered that entire matchup. So we haven't seen, I don't think, Corey Davis play with A.J. Brown on the field when he's actually healthy yet this season. He's going to depend on that volume. I don't see it. With, with Janu Smith emerging, I don't see Corey Davis getting enough volume with A.J. Brown, Adam Humphreys, and Janu Smith to continue to be relevant the way he is. Now, A.J. Green, however... He has been getting the volume overall, and we talked about A.J. Green. Talked about how they switched roles with him and T. Higgins, how he's running the different route tree now. If that continues again this week, A.J. Green's going to suddenly have a floor that he did not previously have before we send him down to Flushtown. So yeah, I would do that deal. I, not deal, but I would drop Corey Davis for A.J. Green. Badier, he said, rest of season, Joe Burrow, Derek Carr, or Gardner Minshew. I think out of that group, it would be Joe Burrow. The reason being is that the volume that the Cincinnati Bengals have and some of the weapons that they have continues to be Joe Burrow has a high floor. I mean, outside of, I believe it was the Pittsburgh Steelers, the Bol- uh, no, it was the Baltimore Ravens. Outside the Baltimore Ravens, Joe Burrow's actually been a guy who's been hovering around the top 12 territory on a pretty consistent weekly basis because of the volume. And don't forget, he has the usage with his legs that he can kind of give you an extra floor that not everybody else can kind of give you at the same time. So I do think Joe Burrow over Derek Carr, over Gardner Minshew, who there's talk, we talk, talk about being benched, possibly for Michael Lennon, which wouldn't make any sense, but hasn't really played well. Derek Carr, who actually has been playing well from an NFL standpoint, but he just lacks weapons. I mean, Henry Ruggs is finally back, but he still has no Brian Edwards. Other than Darren Waller, he doesn't really have a go-to target. He's still a check-down machine at the end of the day. While he is somebody who has been entering closer and closer to the streaming territory side of things, Joe Burrow's already been in that territory, and somebody, as he develops and gets better from a week-to-week basis, could wind up being a top-12 quarterback, possibly, by the end of the year. Next up, Zach. Boston Scott or Jarek McKinnon? That was actually a question from yesterday. I'll say this after Boston Scott got... The points that he did yesterday, 92 yards and a touchdown. That's going to probably be hard for McKinnon to beat, especially if Jermichael Hasty gets wind up getting involved. But that question was actually supposed to be for yesterday. We got Wade, though. Half-point PPR, A.J. Green or Brandon Cooks this week. So we definitely have Brandon Cooks. A.J. Green's outside of our top 36 wide receivers. Brandon Cooks comes in at wide receiver 33. I talked about that a little bit yesterday where... Brandon Cooks at wide receiver 33. I think he does have some upside potential to possibly be in the top 24 wide receivers, making him a wide receiver two. Uh, I think you're going to see that because he's going to have the mismatch on the other side of Wolf Bowler, who's going to be matched up on on Alexander for most of that game. That's going to do it for the show. I hope you guys all enjoyed it. I hope you guys are able to take this information with you into your matchups in week seven. Feel pretty good about what you have at your disposal. Feel pretty good about what your roster construction options are. You guys can go ahead and follow me anytime at BellyUpMDFFShow on social media. Make sure you're doing it on 
uh, Twitter, so you can have those player news update notifications. Make sure you're following us along on WWSRN on iOS or the Worldwide Sports Radio Network on Android and check them out for any one of their great content shows because there's a lot of great content coming out, including the DC's DFS show tomorrow night, 9.30 to 10.30 on WWSRN with my co-host, Chris Pinto. We'll be breaking down all the DFS options for DraftKings FanDuel and be giving you our lock bets of the week in that one as well. This show will be back on your streaming apps on Monday with the Week 7 Sunday afternoon recap. Finally getting that going because I'm not going away this weekend. So we're following back to our regular scheduling program. And we'll be back on Tuesday with the Sunday night recap, the Monday night recap, and the waiver wire report. Everyone, stay safe, stay healthy, have fun this Sunday, win your matchups, and we'll be back to you guys next week. Take care. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Here at the Container Store, we believe you shouldn't be limited to just one happy place. Your home should be full of them. That's why we're giving you 30% off every custom alpha space. From closets and pantries to playrooms, offices, and garages, you can transform any area with alpha and save 30%. Here's another happy thought. Our design specialists will design your space for free. Get ready to discover your new happy place at the Container Store. Visit us in-store or online to get started with a free design.